It is better to think of the church in the alehouse than to think of the alehouse in the church. Welcome back to the Go to Hell podcast. You're listening to the Go to Hell podcast, where strong opinions are weekly held about Christianity, the church, and faith. I'm your host, Tim Curley, along with my co-host, Colton Pierce. Colton, how are you doing? Doing great. I had a great week this week. Um, working with freshmen, that has its wonderful ups and downs. So, you know, fun stuff. What are we drinking tonight? Sitting here, drinking beer, talking guys, killing time, living life with some down Everybody else is drinking water. That good old H2O. Um, we have a special guest this evening, and he is drinking Cascade Ice Pink Grapefruit with 160 milligrams of caffeine. It is 7.47 p.m. Uh, well, okay. I don't drink caffeine anymore, but that, that just seems like a lot for somebody who doesn't drink caffeine. I, on the other hand, are we've, we've dialed it back a little bit. Um, but still looking, Thank you very much. Still, still looking for a sponsorship. So we're, 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 we're expanding our horizons and looking for people, uh, that might us get us in touch with, uh, the Coors company because I'm drinking, uh, nothing, none other than the yellow jackets of that nice Rocky mountain Kool-Aid. The banquet beer. The banquet beer. And then you have in reserve what? Oh, and then in reserves we have, uh, from last week, we have the Belching Beaver Deftones Phantom Bride Hazy IPA. It's very tasty. Um, it's a little cloudy, um, as I mentioned. It's very clear at the very beginning of the can, but then something happens when the bottom of the can gets emptied out. And the storm, storm Yeah, then the in. sentiment all comes out. Uh, but can't say enough about Belching Beaver and how much I have been impressed over the past couple of months with their beers um they've been extremely delicious so um how about you talk about the special guest let's yeah let's i was like don't worry guest. i i was like i can make edits all the time i'm the it's editor true. so i was like i was like sure the air's i just i thought oh, tim was gonna introduce the special guest i was like okay yeah so we have a special guest tonight oh who is it tim his is name's it, andy is it bob goff no, Bob Goff will be here <laughs> this week, though. Uh, I'll be seeing Bob Goff on Friday night and Saturday. John uh, Piper. No, John Piper. Uh, we have our friend. MacArthur. He's heard John about MacArthur. us. John yeah. MacArthur. Yeah, John MacArthur. Come to lower the boom. <laughs> You're an anathema to Christianity. You've just talked about him too much. He looks himself up on the internet like at least once a week. <laughs> see where he's trending they, they're talking about <laughs> they're talking about us on grace to you <laughs> anyways okay so our friend andy so uh so andy's part of our social group we've talked about our social group on this podcast a couple times uh, probably most episodes uh, uh andy's one of my best friends and we had well, I don't know. Sometime in the last year, we were at the brewery, as we want to do on a Friday, most Fridays, uh, having a discussion. And that discussion included a discussion about guns, which it is want to do when we are at the brewery having a discussion. Right. And uh, uh, I guess 
as a uh, background, pretty much everybody in the group's got guns, and they've got multiple guns. I do not have a gun. Colton doesn't have a gun. I think, well, and then there's one other person who doesn't. Pretty much everyone else is, they've got multiple guns, and several are packing at the time, legally. So we're having a discussion about guns, and somehow self-defense came up. Am I right? Yeah. And uh, in that discussion, it somehow it came up where you, Colton, said that if somebody came in the house and was threatening you and your wife, you don't think you could shoot them. Am I correct? Is that that's what you said? Right. Do you want me to unpack anything? Go ahead. And, moment, well, before or? we unpack it. Okay. Andy, welcome to the show. Thank you. I was Thank like, you wow, much. you're just going to get right into the story. Yeah. You didn't even let him say hi. Yeah, I, I didn't know if there were going to be cues for me to jump in or anything like that. <laughs> no, so, no, no, no. yes, thank you. Sorry, uh, it's the first time we've had a guest. This is really new to us. <laughs> happy to be here. Happy to be here. And I'm really happy to be talking about uh, the topic that we are going to be talking about because after I walked away from that conversation, it really gave me pause and I really had to reflect on something that I heard that not it wasn't that I disagreed with it but I just never had never thought of it from that aspect so it was good it was good to have a different perspective and that is exactly why people are meant to get together and to talk and you know if it's over a beer at the brewery or whatever it is that we're not intended to do these this uh, social media of throwing shots out in the dark and not having to see the person across from you and how they're reacting to it so it was a really good opportunity and I really appreciate opportunities like that where you it makes you think and, and question how you view uh, certain things yeah so the discuss the discussion we're going to have isn't we're not going to argue about pacifism or self-defense or anything like that that we're going to have a discussion about what came out of that that discussion and what andy reflected on so colton you lay out though what what you what what you said that night yeah so um I think we've said it before on this show that I like to align myself with uh, being a pacifist. Um, I think that being able to say that comes from a place of luxury. Um, I do recognize that. Um, and simply the fact that I can say that I'm a pacifist because I've never had to put myself in a situation where I wouldn't necessarily need to respond with violence. Now, um, this is something that I came across in the past few years. This isn't something that um, was normal for me growing up. Uh, I was like, my my family never owned guns growing up. That, and I mean, like, guns wasn't ever a huge topic. I've always wanted to own guns. I still would like to own guns. I don't want to use guns on people. That's the more emphasis. I think guns are awesome. Oh, my gosh. I would love to go to shooting ranges. I used to shoot shotguns out at the shooting range when I was a Boy Scout and all that kind of stuff. It's fun. It's awesome. Things explode to shoot clay pigeons it's awesome target shooting and even uh hunting like i would love to go hunting talk about it all the time that we need to get a crew together and go turkey hunting um in the area and and yeah i now it becomes different when you are turning it on another human being um you know it's 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 a completely different use of the weapon um whereas when you're using it in uh for hunting or if you're using it for sports right it's a tool um that you need for those instances or those situations and then when you are using it in self-defense it is a weapon in my opinion um it's a tool for self-defense 
but it is something that you are going to be turning on another human being. Um, and so that is something that I just, I, I struggled with and, and I came to find. And so we, we, we had this conversation and I, and once you claim pacifism, everybody always asks the same question. It's never, I swear, like every time I have ever been, like I mentioned that I'm a pacifist, you get the same question every time. It is, what do you do if somebody comes into your house and not comes after me? It's always the wife, right? It's always the innocent victim in the room, which would be the wife. And it is socially, the social norms of the day is that the man is supposed to protect the woman. And so therefore, what am I to do when this guy, and, and most of the time, it's never, it's never is trying to kill my wife. It's usually people want to know if they start trying to rape my wife in front of me. Mm -hmm. What am I going to do? And I have to sit there and honestly, like, I, one, always say, I don't know. At the end of the day, something could switch in me. My uh, my uh, amygdala could take over and I could, you know, go into a rage or whatever, pull out Herculean strength. Uh, you guys only hear my voice. You don't know that I weigh 100 and... <laughs> 40 pounds <laughs> you know <Wiry> <laughs> yeah. i'm six foot two and 140 pounds let's just put that into image for everybody uh and then um and so uh there is that whole capacity and so like if this does happen to me by some chance and this is something that i do right i i respond and i and i act and get aggressive and and you know stab the person or whatever that is not something that i would say consciously with my with my conscious mind right now i would say that i would do i would say that i would do what i could um without using violence um or what in the sense of self-defense like i wouldn't do that and yes like you said in the situation where we're surround. Oh, we're surrounded. I don't even know if our friend Eric was there that day. Was he there? Because Eric is the only other person that would. I probably... don't think he. I don't know if he was or not. But usually on those discussions, he keeps he he listens and says nothing. So right. So I don't know if I had. And the reason why I say if Eric was there because Eric would be slight backup. If he, but if he was silent, then you know it'd be like, I'm just out here on an island. Uh, so which is fine. Um, I think sometimes we need to put ourselves in those islands. We need to stand up for, you know, what we think is right. And um, and again, I didn't come by this easily. This was something where it was a lot of reflection through scripture, of just what is it that Jesus would want me to do in this situation? And you look at this situation where you know, and this is. A pretty classic example in my opinion i don't necessarily think that this is it can just be applied to every single situation but it's something that i look at that story and i look at the message that's trying to be presented and i try to um to you know try to implement that same kind of strategy as when jesus is taken to the cross right um or when he is originally taken over judas comes over and kisses him on the cheek and peter responds in violence they're not going to arrest my god and so he comes in and he slices off the ear of this guy and Jesus tells him no. Okay. And you can say that, you know, Jesus knows that this is something that he must do or whatever. And I don't think that that's the message uh, behind that particular story. Um, and, you know, it is this healing process that comes through it and that kind of stuff. Um, 
And I think we'll unpack a little bit more of that stuff tonight. But for the most part, we'll start with that. Okay. Good? That's good. Do you want more from me? No, that's a good. that was a good description of what was discussed. And there was a respectful pushback from most of the group. Um, I did not feel attacked. No, there wasn't. No. It was again. It was respectful. It was a good discussion. Um, but you were certainly the minority. I think I was. <laughs> I think I expressed that I understood. I didn't agree, but I understood where you're coming from, and it was a respectable opinion. Um, as a side note, there was a guy I went to high school and college with, and this kid, um, when we were in high school, he was one of those guys who already knew his Bible front and back. You could throw out some random scripture from the old testament he'd quote it to you and somewhere uh, like our second or third year at ucla he started having this crisis of faith and that he the the i still to this day don't understand the connection to what where this went but he was having a hard time with the notion of grace and this he had ex exactly the same scenario you laid out, which was I, I'm faced with either having to kill a guy or let him rape my, my spouse. He wasn't married, but his theoretical spouse. And he kind of just, I, we had discuss. I think my best friend and I had, I don't know, five or six discussions with him revolving around this. And for the life of us, we could not wrap our head around what the moral conundrum was I mean, it, 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 he was laying it out as if he was going to go to hell one way or another. And the strange thing about all this is for, uh, somewhere around there, I didn't see him for a couple months. And then the next time I saw him, he decided to convert to Judaism. So again, uh, helped him reconcile. Strange. That well, I mean, I it helped know. him reconcile that question for himself. I, I suppose <laughs> I don't. Uh, I, I never asked him. Bothered to ask him. I mean, he, he. I think he admitted that I, that had something to do with it. But I don't remember asking him. Okay, how did, how does this resolve that conundrum? But anyway, that's a side note. So, fast forward a couple months, Annie, you're over to my house in the backyard, probably smoking cigars. That would be likely. Uh. No, that never happens around here. <laughs> uh, this is the the Bible and Vices podcast. <laughs> Just so we're clear. They were doing it on Saturday when it was like 110 degrees outside. Yeah. And I'm like, I came over to smoke a pipe with tobacco in it. I feel like that needs to be specified. I came over and I was in the backyard and I was like all ready to go. Andy had just bought me this new lighter and I was excited to use it. I was like sitting there and I was like, guys, this is not happening. Meanwhile, they're on like their third cigar. Yeah, I'm like, it is so hot. I smoked five that day. Why would I put hot smoke in my mouth right you're, now? You're, you're, you were looking forward to a pipe by the fire, not in the in fire. The fire. Right? Yeah, like, I don't know if you guys saw me when I stood up. It's just nothing but butt and back sweat. Yeah, there was a pool three feet away. <laughs> yeah. No, there was a pool in my chair. That's where it was. I was like, golly, how are you guys doing this? Anyway. So you were over at my house, and just out of nowhere, you brought up, hey, you remember that conversation we had with Colton a while back? And it's kind of haunted me. And so explain what. 
so yeah, what you the, were thinking about the conversation that we had had that day um first of all you know the first reaction to it was something very foreign to how i think i would act in that situation and many people you know in the circles you know when it comes to firearms and and self-defense training and all that kind of stuff you know because i range safety officer and just the different things you practice and when you when you have to keep up for your CCW the different qualifications and the different instructors and they paint these scenarios and all that so first of all it, it was a very foreign thing to hear to hear that described not that it was something that I was not able to fathom because I could but it was just having somebody actually say that and it wasn't that Colton was just saying it he was describing what I really felt that he truly believes and holds as a tenant of the way that he lives his life. And we, we in this group that we have, there is definitely a lot of mutual respect. We, I mean, for guys like Eric to be able to come in and right. who was kind of like, am I going to be able to sit around with these guys? And the, well, you know, and he thought, of, he thought that for a long time. So it's been impressive that you guys have been able to allow for that to change. Sorry. Well, but that's but that's just that's the thing is like we because we're sitting around there together and you have to face the other person and you have to you know read the body language and all that we're able to do that and I think we do that pretty well because obviously everybody still comes around right so I was thinking about that a lot and honestly it wasn't any kind of a you know like I was a shocked reaction how could someone believe that way instead it just really made me think about it. and I think the first thing that I really, you know, kind of delved deeply into in that whole conversation was, and it's like, and it's funny that you led off with that tonight. You said, this is how I think I would react. Right. And so many people, I think erroneously, have convinced themselves that they know exactly how they would react in the situation. Somebody kicks in my door, and they're right. getting both barrels, or they're getting in, and it's like, okay, first of all, do you not understand that human beings are naturally averse from taking another human life. Right. If you're going to take a human life, it is something that you actually have to work on. You have to reduce desensitization to be able to do that. Or be a psychopath. Yeah. There's that too. <laughs> right. I'm yeah. not a psychopath. <laughs> you're not going to fit in with most crowds if, if you can do that. All right. <laughs> and there are there are places for you to do those work and it's really sandy where you can go do that work right now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so that was my first thought is all these people that, that try to tell you, you know, and, and again, everyone reacted very respectfully to what you had to say, but I think there would be some per, uh, circles and maybe even some people that listen to this that would say, oh, that would, I would never do that. It's like, I beg to differ. You can say that you have this gun or this gun or whatever, and you can say how you think you would react, but would you really? Right. And I found it interesting that you admitted too, like, this is how I think I would react. But would some kind of primal urges take over and I would do it without even thinking about it because, again, that's my wife. And so it, I, it really made me think a lot about the things that we believe we would do, this noble thing that we think we're going to do to, you know, defend someone. Um, and to be able to kind of push down that urge to try to defend you know a loved one or something like that i thought you know i don't know if i if i could even do that myself but i think it's admirable to even consider that 
I appreciate that. Yeah, I think, well, and this was always part of the, the whole conversation is again, like I said, <laughs> it's always this, it's always this extreme case, right? There's this, uh, this, <laughs> this situation that I, I swear ever since, ever since I started telling people that I was a pacifist, which again, this is only probably something in the last three, four years, um, is something where <laughs> they want this very extreme situation. Don't get me wrong. I know that we all know that that stuff happens in the world. Um, and that's why I do say that claiming pacifism comes from a place of luxury. I'm somebody sure. who's never had to have that tested. Like, <laughs> it's one thing to claim pacifism when you're in, you know, the middle of the war in Iraq versus uh, claiming it in the Bible Belt of California. <laughs> you know, so, uh, so I do say, you know, like, that's that's where it comes from for me um and so i just try to go off of what jesus teachings are and and whether or not they align and and what we are called to do i don't think that this is something that everybody can do also and i do believe that i said that in the conversation and i was like listen i don't think that this is something that everybody is able to do um and not that i'd like I'm thinking it's an exclusive club or membership because honestly, it's not a great one. You know, like, uh, again, if that extreme situation happens, there's lots of therapy involved afterwards, uh, you know, uh, and that kind of stuff. And it is, um, it's hard. Um, but when I think about what God has called us to do and that kind of stuff and, and, and I'll tell this story now because I think it's a, a good time for it is and, – and you guys can definitely chime in and, and give your inputs. There was one time um, – and kind of the whole thought process that kind of went behind some of this was I used to shape trees. Um, and I'd have to get up at 3 a.m. and drive out to this place. They called it Corcoran. <laughs> okay. Um, Corcoran is a town – about what 25 ish minutes away from where we live okay yeah. um so they called it corcoran but it was still an hour past the town of corcoran but there was nothing out there so they were just like it's corcoran because you passed it on the way out there and there's nothing else close so we go out to this corcoran place to go shake pistachios and every every morning uh at 3 a.m we go and we wouldn't come back till we wouldn't leave the place till ten o'clock at night. So we'd get home at like eleven thirty, and then we'd have to go and do it again. That's harvesting for anybody that's familiar with farm work. Um, so we drive out, and every morning I'd have to go past. If you know California, there's a there's a prison in Corcoran. That's actually where uh, Marilyn Manson was, right? Charles Manson. Oh. Dang it! I didn't do it. I was like 50-50. Oh. Charles. No, I mean, Marilyn Manson should be locked up, just so we're clear. <laughs> That's true. That's true. I've seen that Sweet Dreams video. He's in a tutu, guys. <laughs> uh, anyways, um, Charles Manson. Dang it! I even watched Once Upon a Time in Hollywood before I came here. No. Uh, the so we, so we go out there. Again, there's this prison. Also, uh, Peterson, I think, from Fresno is in there, too, I think. Uh, you know who also? Wasn't Robert Downey Jr. out there, too? Machete was out there. Yeah. 
Anyways, um, <laughs> sorry, we're just talking about famous people that have been in prison at uh, <laughs> out, of out in Corcoran. So, anyways, it's a it's a pretty cool. Lake Bottom Brewery. Yeah. <laughs> oh golly. Uh, there's a pretty famous. Um, it, well, it, it, there's a prison out there, and and there was like one morning I literally started crying um, driving by it, and my uncles, I'm. Um, the shaking it was with my family so my uncles are in the car and they just start laughing me down because i'm crying and i mean like one i'm exhausted <laughs> like we're working ridiculous hours um or we're getting no sleep and and there was just one day where i just i was very upset about the fact that like there are people who have done wrong 100 i don't ever want to take that away from any of it but there are people inside that prison that will never get to see anything outside those prison walls ever again. Um, and that made me sad. Um, and, and why this is important to this conversation is that it's often how I view death. Is that this is something where you are no longer allowed outside of the prison walls that you put yourself in. Um, and so when you take somebody's life they no longer have the ability to be redeemed as far as we know right that's that's it on this finite earth um and some people are like people are deserving of it and i i don't know in my opinion i think god would say that all people should be able to bounce back we say it all the time in church but we don't actually mean it i think a lot of the times when we look at the story of judas right and we sit there and we're like is judas a lot of people will say that Judas could have bounced back, right? He could have repented from his sins. And that doesn't mean that he doesn't pay his punishment, but he could have repented. He could have turned back from what it was. And it was like, okay, but what if we use that for people in our world today? It, 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 that guy turned over God to die, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. And so what about all these people that we play judge and executioner for and they get to they don't ever have a life after this and so you think about that when i think about taking a life um and so that's always really hard for me is is that whole situation of sitting there and thinking and i mean people are like and this is always and i mean as a range instructor you know uh some people are like well can't you just shoot them and like injure them right <laughs> which is funny and like and i don't blame people for shooting center mass like i need this person off of whatever you know like i don't again this is not a topic really in my opinion about about gun safety this isn't about this isn't about cops this isn't about shooting people or anything like that it's really just about what are we as christians called to do about these situations that we're talking about like yeah. it what what should our natural res what should our not our natural response but what is the response that god has called us to and that's what i'm at that's what i would say or what i'm what? i'm really kind of struck right now by how we've been kind of on a very similar wavelength about this <laughs> because one of the things that after reflecting on on that conversation one of the things that came to my mind was by taking the action that most people claim they would take, they leave no room for God to do any work in the person. 
like you like you said before there's going to be if if it played out the way you said that you thought that you would act and you had already had talked about this there's going to be a lot of counseling involved there's going to be but i know of a couple that were held at gunpoint the male was th- was thrown in the trunk of the car Oh, we talked about we, this. We talked about it a couple this. episodes. Yeah, so, so you guys know about that. Get, yeah, you're, you're good. Keep going. You're good. So, and basically, the the wife was forced to drive out in the middle of nowhere, and we can leave it to people's imaginations how that turned out. They both are alive, and they are both existing and and leading a life together. And they're, you know, I don't know. They just had. Clothes. They just had their second they, they, second yeah. child. You know, well, and we, so you can survive these kind of things, and not that. A, a person that's spiritually weak would be able to do it. I don't know. But it's possible to survive those things. And at the end of the day, would that have turned out differently had one of them been armed? I don't know. Um, but you can survive them. And again, you're leaving no room for God to do any work in those kind of situations if you do kill the person. Now, I'm kind of playing devil's advocate a little bit because, like I said, I'm trying to really reach in and, and get an understanding for, I guess, that pacifist mindset of how how you deal with the situation. And I guess what I came down to is, yeah, a strong enough person will survive it and, and move on. Will your life be different than it was before? Sure. But so would your life be if you ended up taking the life too. Right. I think that's one of the things we talked about that night. Well, I think I brought it up was, uh, I think we kind of glorify the dirty hairy, like what you talked about at the beginning, Andy, you know, drop three shots and drop the dirt bag in the, in the, in the, uh, hallway of the house. And then that's just, that's going to be, be it. And I think I said, I think I said as kind of the middle ground, well, I don't know if it was a middle ground, but. I could probably do it, and then I'd probably, re- and then I would regret it the rest for the rest of my life. I'd have a hard time dealing with the fact that I had killed somebody, and I, don't, I think that's something else people don't talk about. It's just, um, and mostly because we don't really know anybody who's ever defended themselves. We see it on the news, and the news just reports, you know, somebody killed an intruder, and that's the end of it. So no one ever does any follow up like a month later and say, "So how are you doing? I'm actually, I got nightmares and." I'm having trouble trouble with it, or it's just like, nope, did what I was supposed to do, and moving on, because the guy walked into the wrong house. So, um, but I think we tend to think it's the latter. If you can pull the trigger, you're just going to be okay with it. And I'm mm-hmm. not sure. And I, I, I seem to remember uh, Jay, one of our friends, even even he kind of like nodding his head, like, yeah, I could, I could, I could probably see myself having a hard time with it too. So at least reflecting on it and understanding the gravity of what happened and the senselessness of it so um and to me that's just kind of what we've talked about a couple times on this podcast where i don't i don't i it's probably often been like this but it seems like now more than ever we're not allowed to have two competing things in our brain be okay like i can take a life and then i can feel really lousy about it it's just like, oh, it's either one of the, you took a life and you and you probably just are a bloodthirsty piece of crap who really enjoyed killing somebody. You were just itching for someone to come, don't you know, 
come in that door because only someone, you know, walking around carrying a pistol or something's probably looking for a fight. No, both things are. Um, both things are possible. Um, I mean, we see that with army veteran, uh, military veterans. We didn't used to. It kind of got stigmatized after Vietnam, and it was I think it was blamed because of because we lost the war. They had a hard time. And the guys in World War Two and Korea didn't, and World War One, and now come to find out when people are actually, you know, you watch Panda Brothers or read the books. No, they actually had a hard time with it. They didn't talk about it, and they kept it locked away emotionally, which probably wasn't a good idea. But you know, when you're watching Band of Brothers and you see eighty guys in their late eighties breaking down and crying about something that happened well over half a century ago, yeah, it was pretty bad what happened um, and they're not just crying about guys that you know buddies that died in their arms but stuff they actually had to do and, and see so um, well and something that's so crazy and especially when you start looking at something as when you start looking at <clears throat> the taking of human life and then you put it on this this broad spectrum of war right and and you <laughs> and you watch these old World War Two documentaries that are on like History Channel and all that kind of stuff. It's it's crazy. I grew up on that stuff. Me and my dad loved watching. There used to be a show on uh, on history that was called Dogfights. My dad was always into planes and World War Two fighter jets and fighter planes and all that kind of stuff. And so we used to love watching it. And it was these little and I mean now they'd probably be really crappy CGI uh, dogfights that they would replay um, to kind of tie things together based off of the the stories that these guys would tell and it was really cool but then they would get the other side right they would get this guy from japan um who was flying the japanese zero on the other side and and they would talk with him and he would tell the site and he was like yeah i got shot out of my plane i pulled out the parachute you know and this was the whole thing right and then at the end of the show the two guys would meet on the beach or whatever hang out or you know and talk and here's the ridiculous part about all of that is they were shooting at each other trying to kill each other but now it doesn't even matter. Yeah. Nobody cares. Right? Japan's our ally now. We love Japan. Like, I was like, the United States has a phenomenal relationship with Japan. And yet, 80 years ago, these two guys were hell-bent on killing each other. And for, for what? You know, there were, and there were legitimate... There were legitimate things that you know Japan believed in that were that were wrong. Like if you look at the rape of Manchuria, like that's not good stuff. Yeah. Right? Like you know, it's there were stuff that needed to be checked, and and you know maybe they changed their their frame of mind or whatever. But could they do that if they were all dead? If we wipe them all out, could they change? Could they be better? No. You know, and 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 so bring it back down to a small scale. You know, like that's that whole concept of and. and and to your guys' credit, when it's like, you know, these are people that are dealing with trauma and and issues, and, and there are issues that present themselves when you go through just, even just being around the scene, right? Like, I have a buddy who's an EMT, uh, and he's not the one that's pulling the trigger on anybody, and he thought he was extremely, um, he thought he was emotionally sound from it. He was like, whatever. And this is a guy who, if if there's a witness on the scene, he has to try to revive the, the body, right, mm -hmm. of a guy. There was a, 
well, we can possibly get into that later. Um, right? So he has to be there. And it was all good for him until it was a child at the scene, right? Then, then things became different for him, right? It's not too bad when it's like a 40-year-old guy, you know, but when it's a five-year-old kid that got shot up, you know, then there's an issue. And so just to deal with human death, and again, the issue that we have with, and especially with children dying, is it's the loss of potential, right? There's, a, there's the potential that this kid could have been something. Somebody, even if the kid was a terrible kid or whatever, there's still this idea that they could come back, but we don't view that way with adults. Adults can't bounce back. They can't change. The innocence is gone from them. They know better. And so therefore, that's how it is. So it's just kind of an interesting little thing that we have psychologically, but then I think after the act happens, it's like, wait a minute. Maybe they could have. Right. And, and it takes that tragedy to happen to you in order for you to be able to be like, think differently about it. So it's just kind of interesting. Well, from the other side of the, of the coin, yeah. part of, we talked about the difficulty of, of taking human life, and part of the process of desensitizing yourself to that is, number one, you, you start training for it. When you go to the range and you know, you're doing your qualification to keep your CCW or you're taking classes to try to earn it or you're just out there shooting, nine times out of ten, you're going to be shooting at a silhouette. You're not going to be shooting at a bullseye target anymore. And that's part of the process is you're looking at something that is more lifelike and you're desensitizing yourself to, hey, this is what I'm going to have to aim at. We're aiming at center of mass. Um, and then the other part goes. When you when you you hear stories from instructors, they, they'll quote FBI statistics to you. Um, they'll tell you how fast someone can close, you know, 20 feet on you with a knife and would you be able to get your gun out in time. And it's this process of then, not only are we training with lifelike targets, and that's, I brought those books because that's one of the things that Lieutenant Dave Grossman talks about. He's got uh, several books out and he talks about that whole process. If you look at it, through history, the desensitization of soldiers to increase the kill ratio because it's difficult to make a human shoot another human being. And he talks about, I think it was, uh, I can't remember the battle, but he talks about like 90% of the rifles were recovered, still loaded. So it was a, civil, a battle of the Civil War. Oh, wow. 90% of them were reco recovered, still loaded, and several had been loaded multiple times. One loaded 23 times without even being fired because people don't want to do it even in even in a battle like that so the other part that you learn about it in these things is that that process of desensitization happens where who is the person that's breaking into your house it's not you know some productive member of society that we would really have a hard time pulling the trigger on somebody that's like us they'll tell you well nine times out of ten it's going to be a person that's a drug addict and they're going to be on the drug, so they're right. not going to act like a normal person would act. So you really don't have any choice to put them down. And you talked about that, you know, center of mass and all that. Well, the people that want to say, can we just wound them or this, that, and the other thing, um, 
that's kind of a question that's asked out of ignorance because you may think you're going to stop it with one shot or whatever, but that person's not necessarily going to react the way you think they're going to react. Right. And there's, you know, there's plenty of video out there, you know, on YouTube of officers like dumping their magazine into somebody at point blank range and the person's still coming at them. Right. So it, that whole process of desensitizing you to be able to do that, that's part of it. So that, I think that's why people, a lot of them have the belief that they would be able to do it. But it's not without training and having to push down those urges of not wanting to do it. You have to make yourself be capable and even think yourself capable of doing it. Right. And I, and I think there's what's also cool is that you can find videos also of officers because now we have all footage, right? Officers are wearing cameras now. There's dash cam footage. But you can find lots of footage out there of officers that are legitimately running away from what will eventually be the guy that they shoot who are coming at them with knives, right? And they unload their clip and that they are begging the person, please put it down. Like, I don't want to kill you. Like, I really don't. But at the end of the day, they're like, it's my life or yours. And it, it, like I said, eventually some at some point that amygdala is going to trigger. Like, it, it's going to kick over and, and they're going to go fight or flight and – and that's what's going to happen. But then what's also extremely important is understanding that there are police officers in hundreds of these scenarios. And again, you can find the footage where they go back to their squad car and they are just weeping on the hood of the car. Absolutely. It's not something that they want to do. And again, I don't want to make, I, I don't mean like we can make it political if we want to tonight. I, I'm saying that it's not, again, I'm just, talking about the fact that this is not something that's easy as much as people want to say that this is something that that humans want to do on a regular basis um there are those select few like we said there are those that are either completely desensitized and what sucks is that you get a lot of guys that are desensitized um that go into the military um and then they get out of the military and they don't know what to do right they became killing machines or or whatever and what where do they go they get into the secret service some of them don't make the cut for that you know and there becomes kind of what do i go into and some do seek out law enforcement and, well, and, and we haven't seen some of those scenarios in a long time I, well i feel like i don't know you guys can correct me if i'm wrong where like you know this guy was in in iraq and he just decided to go crazy you know that kind of stuff so um so i think that you and then there's also you know Psychopaths, which we talked about, which is something completely uncontrollable. It's a, it's a weird freak of nature situation. There's one out of every 100 people out there in the world that is a psychopath, right? Mm -hmm. And I, I actually tell this to my students all the time uh, that there, there's psychopaths walking around our campus right now. It's like they're completely desensitized to anything that is tangible in this world. Everything is just an object in their world. You are an object in their world. They have no ability to sympathize or empathize with your situation, at all. Um, and so like, I was like, they're here, <laughs> they're real people. <laughs> like, um, and you know, those are, those are legitimate situations, um, completely plausible and, and all of that stuff exists. And again, I think it's, it's good to say, you know, like these people are on drugs. They've in, and I would agree. A lot of them are hyped up. You can unload an entire clip adrenaline or that drug is going to keep pushing them through whatever it is that they're going to be doing. So it's just like, oh, what do you do? What do you do? And 
you have to make that decision for yourself. And deal with what comes after it. Because we mentioned that, um, and I talk about the desensitization to be able to pull the trigger, but that also that does not necessarily carry over to desensitizing yourself to the emotions and the guilt and all the stuff that comes after, like we mentioned before. The training gets you to the point to pull the trigger, but what training have you invested in to deal with the, the repercussions of what you've done? Right. But don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that there aren't people that can deal with it. I'm not saying that I couldn't. But how many people can compartmentalize those kind of things and say, you know what? I mean, it's easy to say, well, that person was evil because evil exists in the world. And that person, if they were coming in there to do that to my family, then they were evil. So I can put them in this little box and say, I was justified in doing that because I was not prepared to even try to deal with whatever ramifications would happen because of that confrontation. I'm just going to box it up in this nice little package and that's how my brain's going to deal with it and I'll go on with my life. And there's some people that can do that. And they're not necessarily psychopaths no. because they can do it. No. I think a lot of people just genuinely believe that my job is to protect my family. I would not be able to deal with that if I failed my family in that way. So this is what I'm going to do. And I think that, no, and I think that's really good. And for anybody that listens to this podcast and they've run into one of those situations or they know somebody that's run into those situations, what we're talking about tonight is not necessarily, again, it's not something that's for everybody to, to choose that or, or whatever. Like it, it, the guilt and the shame that you may feel from that particular instance is, is astronomical and there there was a lot of things that that went into that and 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 it was a huge decision that you had to make so um we don't if anybody is sitting there and saying that that person was evil and that's what you have to to say to yourself to to stay sane then by all means please like please don't go crazy over this and we wish that you could find you know redemption and and peace in this if you're not able to find peace um and and that's not what today's conversation is about it's it's about you know being able to talk about as tim said at the beginning is that it's being able to talk about the subject that is controversial and we can both walk away with from it with you know learning new insights from each other and positively reflecting on that conversation am i right tim yeah i would also say that discussion was a good example. So, I would I would call myself I would have called myself pretty mainstream evangelical about twenty years ago, and it was around twenty years ago um, that myself and another guy at the church we all used to go to kind of all had this epiphany of I think our politics in and not just us, but I, I would say the average American Christian even evangelical or not. If you're a left-wing or right-wing progressive Christian, conservative Christian, I think our politics, unfortunately, uh, informs our Christianity than the other way around in too many instances. And so that began, that discussion began an untangling of things that started for me and I think for our, our mutual friend Brandon um, what was really funny about this is it actually was the move to California that got them both um, 
Tim is from Oklahoma. Brandon, no, no, no. Brandon, I lived in Brandon's Oklahoma. from Brandon's from Texas. Uh, so it was both I lived, of them. I have lived in L.A. longer than I lived in California. Europe, changes so. you guys since the um, uh, moral of the story. Well, the, the the irony is of the three of us, Tim is the one who's had a home invasion while he's been there. This is true. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. That's right. I forgot about this, which is funny. I've never heard this story. I forgot about the dude that was in my apartment. Every time I tell the story, people are like, what? And I'm like, yeah, whatever. How drunk was he at this time? <laughs> That's what we needed to know. So I was living in Hollywood. Uh, oh, okay. oh, never mind. Nah, that all makes sense now. And uh, <laughs> it was a California tale. It was not an yeah. Oklahoma tale. I was going to UCLA and uh, I had a two-story condo. I was living with my parents, but they were traveling all the time. So this was, they were out of the country for a long time. So I was by my, no, 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 this happened with them in the house. That's what adds to this story. <laughs> okay. So there, uh, I, that's my first or second year at UCLA. And uh, yeah, we got a two-story condo in the middle of Hollywood. Why we were living in Hollywood is a whole other story, but uh yeah, this guy came in to steal her Keystone Light and then bail. So this, so I, so I, my room has, uh, my room has a balcony and a sliding glass door to, to my room. So I wake up in the, I wake up in the middle of the night to the sound of rustling in in my room, and uh, it startles me. So I, you know, I sit straight up. Uh, like you know the exorcist lady or something just like sit straight up and like looking around like what's going on and there's this dude going through my closet like he's at Nordstrom Rack <laughs> shopping for clothes Nordstrom Rack I feel like uh, and, most uh, of our viewers don't know what Nordstrom Rack is all right uh, he's at Ross uh, <laughs> TJ Maxx, Ross, whatever. Apparently, uh, Tim made quite a spectacle walking down the streets of Hollywood, and this man followed him. Oh nowhere. yeah, he was wearing yeah. his members. I, he was I, wearing I, his members, members only, only jacket. Only, yeah, I, 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 and his like, beret. Yeah. Just like Kramer in the, the pimp episode, the, Joseph the multicolored jacket. Uh, so I say in my sleep stupor, "Who are you?" <laughs> Santa and he, Claus? And he stops and turns around and says, I'm a friend of your roommate. And I said, I don't have a roommate. And I had a buck knife underneath my mattress. And I reached down to grab the buck knife. It's in the it's in the other room. I should go get it out. It's a pretty, pretty impressive knife. It's not quite a buck knife, but oof. My friends all marveled when they saw that knife. That They were like, man, it's good that you didn't get that guy because you'd, pro- you'd probably be going to jail. So this guy takes off running i still don't know how he got in the house because the door the front door was locked so either came in it was either unlocked he came in and had the wherewithal to lock the door or shimmied up somehow into the balcony and open up the sliding glass door the sliding glass door is open so he runs out my room onto the patio and then just one times it down one whole flight of stairs i'm impressed uh, and he on the way out, he dropped like two pairs of jeans. He had unplugged the television, so he and mind you, this is '92, so I don't know how he's gonna get that bitch out of the house. Five hundred pound TV. He's like, "Hey, Jimmy, <laughs> come here, catch." 
<laughs> Kill the guy uh, downstairs. And the only really worrisome part was the wallet was right next to my head on a desk, and so he had managed to take. So he was right there next to me, really close. Oh, so wow. I closed the slut inclining glass door and locked it and went to sleep. I didn't tell my parents anything that happened until the next morning because I was like, yeah, then you know, the guy's gone. Why wake everybody, wake everybody up and turn it into a thing? <laughs> so considerate. <laughs> Like, so I tell my parents, and they are like, what? <laughs> what is wrong with you? I was like, yeah. Sitting around around coffee. So did I tell you what happened to me last night, Mom? Pass the creamer, would you? Boy, do I have a story to tell. I got a story. Where did this happen, Tim? Oh, my room last night. In the night. room last night. At John's house? No, right here. Like, I, like six feet away. Golly. That's awesome. So I would have attacked that guy. I don't know how I would have felt, but uh, uh, so <laughs> where were we at? No, I well, that situation <laughs> is interesting because it, it may not even be a fair comparison of what we're talking about. You awake, awoken from a dead sleep, and you're you have probably this adrenaline dump. Right, your heart's pounding. You know, your yeah. your sweaty hands are trying to grip this buck knife. And you've just, you had the wherewithal to say, who are you? Yeah. And the guy, you know, he was going for it. He, he tells this story and you see right through the story, obviously. And then he has to make a decision. The question I had is when you did that was, you know, there's some kind of moonlight coming through the, the, the blinds and he sees the glint of the blade. I know. Right. I was like, how did he know what he was going <laughs> for? Like, I, oh, that, here he is. That, okay. Oh, you didn't tell that you were Daniel Boone with <laughs> Definitely not a buck knife, but... No! No! Okay. Precise sporting cutlery. High carbon steel. But check that, that tip. Oh. No need. That's going to do some damage. Yeah. That's definitely a little pig stick. And, you know, at least it's got a little bit of a hilt to prevent your right. hands from sliding across the blade as you're thrusting. So right. that's, that's interesting. It's a yeah. tiny hilt, but it'll work for you. Nice little plastic, a little filleting plastic handle the there. Yeah, that uh... a nip and a tuck. I, I just think we need to just do away with guns. Let's just bring up. Let's just bring the swords. Back. Go back to hand to hand combat. Let's bring the swords back and, and bring back dueling in the streets. You know, I'm like okay. Well. <laughs> so I I have a serious question. So okay. you you preface this by saying it, it's a luxury. Sure. You're asking me the do question. Do you think that do you think that should matter? Or or well, hold on. Are there other things I would say the average Christian has it set in their ways that whatever knowledge they have in of what they're supposed to do is within the pages of uh, Genesis 1 and Revelation 20 whatever and that's it everything everything i'm supposed to do is in there and we're supposed to we're supposed to judge how we're what's what we're supposed to do in 20 the 21st century world based on this ancient book we're supposed to go from genesis all the way through leviticus is that what you're saying 
Well, even no, never mind. Sorry, Deuteronomy. My bad. The law again. That's what Deuteronomy means. So my bad. Okay. Uh, so you're saying th- those five books? That's what you're no, saying. No, the, the whole, should... the whole. Oh, the, the whole, whole thing whole from Bible. Genesis all the way to Revelation. You're yeah. saying that we should judge ourselves based upon that. Okay, so I say that it's. Uh, Are, do, well, no, no, do no, no. I got it. Okay. okay. No, no. Well, no. Right, well, okay. Unless you're adding something. No. Do do things change based on the luxury of the world we live in? I can give you an example. Okay, give me There's example. another example. Give me the example. We were I got to pee. The West Wing last night. I decided to punish myself by watching West Wing again. It's not punishment. I, it's a. I love hate the show, and so. Uh, uh, my daughter was over last night, and there was an episode about someone getting put to death. Uh, they were on the. They were. They had. Uh, lost their last appeal and they're going to be put to death in the next couple of days and the whole episode is about how president bartlett's gonna is he going to commute the sentence is he not going to commute the sentence and there's all these discussions about uh religious and political discussions about death penalty and my daughter turns to me at one point and says well, what so what is your opinion on the death penalty and i tell her when this show came out i would have told you i was firmly for the death penalty and now I am not for the death penalty. And she said, oh, really? And I said, yeah, it's two reasons, and they're completely different reasons. They don't have anything to do with each other. And I said, one, I don't trust the same government. I don't trust to do just about anything. I don't think can I trust to really figure out whether or not someone's guilty enough to put them to death anymore. And then the second one is uh, a lot of the stuff, like the whole episode's based on, you know, they got a Jewish perspective and a Catholic perspective, Christian perspective, and everything's Old Testament. And I said, you know, it's perfectly fine for you to be a Christian and believe in the death penalty. Um, there's certainly nothing that says it's wrong. But I said, I, I look at it as an ancient book. And back then, if you had a murderer running around, you know, maybe you could just send them to a penal colony, but there's not really thing you can do as a society. And today we have jails, we have very secure ones, and we can lock them up, and that's where they go for any number of other crimes. So it's not one of those, this is one of those weakly held opinions, but if you push me on it, I'm not for the death penalty. I'm not going to go out and vote based on whether or not somebody's, some politician's pro or I don't really care if the laws change, but my personal opinion is, yeah, I'm not really for it anymore. So I would say that's kind of a modern, I would still say it's moral, because I understand back in the Old Testament why, and even then there's a bit of debate. I, I think a lot of Jewish scholars say not many people were put to death. I'm not really sure if that's true or not, but anyway, that's an example, another example. I think that when we look at when we say that it's a luxury, it's again looking at it from the perspective of I have had the luxury of not having to be in okay. that situation. Okay, so it's not a modern luxury. No, well, I would say that it is a modern luxury from the standpoint of we aren't in a world where, um, where the where lawlessness abides. Um, you know, there, there are laws and rules that are in place that can be enforced within days, right? You don't have the situation where, you know, some guy walks into Tombstone, Arizona, can shoot up the town and get away 
and nobody knows who did it. You know, like it, we're it, in a situation not... where two years ago it was probably widely held in America that there were too many people incarcerated and, instead of not enough. Absolutely. Now we can debate that, but you, that was you, the sentiment no, right. two two years ago. Right, and so and so we're in a world that again there are certain luxuries that we are afforded. Um, and, and there's luxuries even in the fact that there are trials that are, you know, you, you're not having this whole thing where it's like, uh, we're going to judge you based off of X, Y, and Z. I mean, it could be the color of your skin. It could just be the fact that you didn't attend church on Sunday, you know, like, uh, and you know, like that seems kind of old Western, right. Kind of thing and i mean like i'm reading stephen king's the gunslinger right now so like is it like the western <laughs> thing is kind of like speaking to me a little bit uh and so that's what i'm kind of leaning into but i mean like seriously there's there's this amount of lawlessness this vigilantism and and the united states for the most part still kind of really leans into the vigilante uh kind of idea but also well we can get into that but i it, we we lean into this vigilanteism where we want to be this hero. We want to be, you know, we want to see justice prevail um, and that kind of thing. And so, um, but what does that mean? You know, what does that look like? Also, uh, we're, a, we're a country that is, and all countries are, it's run by money. Money talks, money works. Okay. So, you know, we got to get the lawyers involved. We got to get everything going, you know, all that kind of stuff. I was like, we've already talked about it once or twice on here that you've been in a sticky situation where you had a couple of stuff go down. Okay. Um, that is ultimately like, those are luxuries that we get to afford that you can sit there and fight your case for two, three years on certain situations. There's a lot of, there's a lot of stuff out there where you, we are in a place of luxury when it comes to justice and law and this idea of even, murder and how do we respond to it or violence and how do we respond to it um because if i don't do anything <coughs> i have the luxury right of for the most part in the united states if i give a good enough description of this guy who's apparently raping my wife i probably have seen him for at least 15 seconds <laughs> <laughs> Plenty of forensic evidence. Hey, all right. So it's like, so we could probably get this guy. And that comes from a place of luxury. This guy doesn't get to get off scotch-free, probably. Right? And again, to the story that you talked about earlier, that guy was caught like within hours like um, of that whole situation um, where the guy was in the trunk. If That was like, it's been a while since we brought that up, so I'm just, um, you know, that guy was caught within hours. Um. And he had bailed. Like, he was gone. He was out creeping on some other house. And that's where they found him. We have the ability in our world to be able to just catch these people. And I, yes. The 90s, 80s, early thousands, things were a little bit more difficult. Now, the, with the DNA tracing that we have, it's, it, it's a lot easier. And there's still going to be people that are going to be able to get around it and get away with it and, and that kind of stuff. And I don't want to discredit that. But for the most part, I get to sit there and I'm living in a in a luxurious lifestyle where I can know that vengeance and justice will happen um, if well, this happens. May I ask? Uh, no. Yeah. Are you saying that part like that kind of gives you comfort 
in the way that you described you you hoped you would be able to act in that situation? Like, does that figure into your your algebra there? Where part of what makes me be able to to hold on to the the passivism is whatever happens in this material world, there will be justice, and then whoever that person is, they'll have to face justice in their afterlife as well. I mean, does that figure into what you're talking about? Or no, absolutely okay. not. No, I would say... Luis it, it, discovered last week he doesn't believe in heaven and hell, so... <laughs> no, I... <laughs> golly. And I'm not going to fill Andy in. Can this rename thing? Right this thing? What? No, for, uh, we'll, we'll, talk about it. we'll talk about it over beers on Friday. Yeah. <laughs> Except you know I got a I got a water polo tournament till seven o'clock, so we better be back at Tim's at like eight or. Can around. we talk about that for a second though, or were you still? Going okay, on? wait, wait, wait. Let me finish, and yeah, then yeah, we'll go ask, back. Okay. Because yeah, I did ask you the question. Okay, I was like, let me let me finish that. this I, because I think that was good. Because what what I had said was like I almost kind of discredited what I had said, and I one hundred percent I don't think, well, and I do also think that there is a lot of unconscious psychological stuff that happens and maybe based off upbringing based off of the culture that i live in and that kind of stuff and so i don't want to and so maybe deep down somewhere but that thought might be able to manifest what it is that i'm thinking right now and i and i don't want to discredit that because there might be people that analyze this and they're like well maybe and i'm like okay sure i'll give it credit but i will say that that never crosses my mind i want to because that's not the purpose behind it. The, right. the purpose is that's not that's not supposed to be my response. That's not what I want my response to be, um, and so that's that's just how I feel it should be. Um, and I I think that's healthy. Um, is to where you need to come to terms with what your decision is going to be. It it, it shouldn't be based off of you know. Because what if that stuff doesn't happen? What if justice never gets served? If you were banking on justice and justice doesn't happen, because that does happen. Um, and again, and again, right? Like we are so obsessed with this whole vigilante system. And I do believe that we as Christians are almost called to be vigilantes from the standpoint of we are, what the law says is not we should follow but we need to do what we are supposed to do, right? Like that's the whole idea. And I, I, I still quote Jesus a lot of times when we talk about these subjects is you give to Caesar what is Caesar's, you give to God what is God's, right? And it is you need to recognize that there is this authority that you need to make sure that you're doing what you're doing there, okay? We don't need troubles and that kind of stuff, but everything that you can give to God, you need to give to him. And so... And there may be times where you need to stand up for your beliefs or whatever and that kind of stuff, and that's what you have to do. Um, and right, it's not about necessarily conforming to whatever people say. You need to be giving God what is God's. Anyways, sorry. What were you – you were going to ask another. Oh, no, because Tim had joked that, that, you know, you don't believe in, in heaven or hell, <laughs> which I, I found funny um, because – we weren't joking. So much, so much strife is based upon that, and you know, so much of the old uh, fire and brimstone preachers that you know everybody likes to point to as their reason why they don't go to church and that kind of thing. So much of that is based on something that you can say it's it's described pretty well in the Bible. This, that, or the other thing, but does it really matter? 
Because whether there is a heaven or a hell, let's say the hell part first of all, hasn't our life on earth proven to everybody that punishment really doesn't work? We talked about the people that are in prison. The fact that there's a death penalty, did that stop all crimes that would make someone eligible for the death penalty? No. And human nature is, I just caught up, I got, I got caught up, man. I was in a situation that I shouldn't have been in, and now I'm facing the death penalty. I just got caught up. Well, that's, that's kind of how, how our lives go. I got caught up. I got caught up in focusing on nothing but work, and I neglected my wife, and now we're not together anymore. I got caught up doing this, and now I don't have a relationship with my kids, and now that I'm older and my life has slowed down, they don't want any part of me. You know, all those kind of things. Is it truly an important thing? And I would say that some people that want, like they think their ministry is telling everybody else that they're going to hell. Yeah. Yeah. And we've talked about that before, Tim. I mean, how does that, how does that affect you? Is that going to make you want to run out and join the religion? Because that person's telling me that because you don't think like I do, my God says you're going to hell. Right. Well, how effective I, is that? Yeah, the most repugnant public display I've ever seen was my wife and I were in Vegas for a U2 360 concert, 360 tour concert. And on Fremont Street, there was a group of about 12 Christians, and they were doing the whole, everyone's going to hell, and like singling out like women with skirts too low and guys with tattoos and just saying the vilest stuff ever. And we just sat there and wanted to weep at just what a horrible display of anti-Christianity by a group of people who were claiming to speak on behalf of Jesus. And it was just, it was awful. Well, and I think, and here's also something where I think we can get a little bit more full circle on when it comes to this is, again, like I said, as Americans, and I think a lot of the world, we have this this idea of justice needs to be done. And for a lot of us as Christians, we want justice, but it's not really justice. Is We want those that are separate from us, that get to do whatever the hell they want to do, without any regards to Christianity, right? We talked about this yeah. when we looked at the, the prodigal son, right? We are the brother. We sit there and say, this guy asked for his inheritance and went out and squandered it and did whatever. We did everything that we were supposed to do. This guy went out and did whatever the hell he wanted to do. And so, therefore, there should be justice. This is where people want to use the sheeps and the goats. We're the sheep. They're the goats. It becomes a huge us versus them mentality. And it's, it's garbage because it should always be no matter what happens. We know that Jesus Christ died on the cross for every single person on this planet. And so technically, we are all us. There's no us versus them. Jesus died for every single person, and we're all us. We need to stop creating that distance because this is where, again, I would like to make it full circle is we talk about that person that comes in and they raise your wife, right? And, and they're on drugs or they're hooked on it or whatever. And, and like you said, they're not functioning correctly or whatever. Even they're a psychopath or what, whatever happens. 
there are, and this may not happen. This is like a one in a million chance. One, there's like a one in a million chance that somebody comes in and rapes your wife, right? And then it's another one in a million chance on top of that. Don't make me do math. I'm, not, I'm an English teacher. You're more likely to be struck by lightning. Than All right, I know. You have this opportunity to still continue to love on that person. And how cool would that be? Right? Like, I, I can express how cool that would be for you to be able to step aside from the hurt and the pain that has caused you. And I don't think that anybody that's listening to this podcast, if that's not something that you are able to do, then by all means, please do not do it. Like, I was like, I'm not saying that you need to just get over it or anything like that. Absolutely not. But think of how cool that would be if we as an as a people and we talked about this when we talked about this whole situation with the same story that you talked about where it's like these two people that had this situation happen to them they if they don't forgive them we all don't blame them but us as a community also needs we need to gather around them and also we need to gather around this guy that created this crime and know that hey man you messed up but there's a way to come back, you know, and and still being able to give somebody the opportunity to come back. Again, yeah. that's always the thing that I think is important in these conversations is the ability to bounce back and be better. Because, again, like I said at the, at the beginning, is we have this whole situation with Judas and we say all the time that, well, Judas could have came back. He could have repented from his sins. He could have done whatever. He he was the one that traded Jesus I, in. For, I don't think most Christians do believe that. I think they think. You don't think so? No. I feel like I hear that all the time. We, like, ta- we, we talked about it. We had a, well, it depends on if you believe in predestined Judas. Well, so. but Forrest talked about it this year at, in one of his sermons where he talked about it. Yeah, and I was being a heathen that week, so... That's true. You were not there that week. So he brought up he brought up Judas. It's a good thing I don't believe in hell, because... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, and... He, he told the whole story about Judas, and I don't remember exactly what he said, but I remember he and I had a conversation after church about it, and I said, um, you know, I don't, I don't think most... Most Christians, I don't think, would think... Once he deliver Jesus over that was it he was done because I we just I think part of it I think is we just assume his heart was that hardened that uh, oh, like the Pharaoh situation yeah and um, and that uh, and I said the sad part of it is is that he oh and then but there is some there's something in the scripture about him um, him and Satan afterwards but I, I think if you read that, the way I read that is Satan convinced him that he was unredeemable is the problem. And so then he goes and hangs himself. I'm trying to think of which that's. We'll I, have to deal with that on another episode because I'm sure I'm wrong. We're going to get a bunch of go no, to hell. Not, no, I don't think that you're wrong. Um, and but I think you're right. I mean, how I think I think that if he hadn't hanged himself. And he just done what Peter did and went and hot hid, right? And had the stones to show up five, six, seven days later. Jesus would have done the same thing he did to Peter, who had denied him three times, which is in that story just as bad because Peter had, you know, 
Jesus said it was going to happen. Peter said, no, I ain't ever going to do that. That ain't going to happen. Well, and, and, Peter, and he did it. And Peter didn't have to deal with the public shame. Right. Right? Peter did it in a place where none of the disciples were watching. But meanwhile, Judas had to walk up in front of all of his friends and turn him over. Right. And so, again, it was Judas beyond redemption? I would say no. I don't think that anybody in this world is beyond redemption. I don't see how someone can have any level of spirituality with Christianity and pronounce that God can do all these things, but he couldn't redeem somebody like Judas. Right. So, I mean, because it makes us feel better about the story, we want to say that he was not redeemable. Right. We, and unfortunately, we don't have that opportunity because, you know, okay, he went and hung himself. But again... So many people are so comfortable with their pronouncements about what happens because someone commits suicide. Oh, that was one that I used to be really judgy about. And then you have, what, three, four people that we either knew or prominently knew in town that commits vaguely knew or knew fairly well or knew somebody who directly knew somebody who knew one of those people really well. That really shakes you up. Right. That really shakes you up, and I think oh, it. I think all, I probably all of them were professing Christians, and I, I'm just saying that they profess to be Christians. So I'm, I'm not meaning that as some kind of modifier to say well, I don't think they really were. These were people that were thought to be Christians, and they something happened. It was too much. And I would have said, certainly 20 years ago, I mean, I, I think we talked about it when I was leading the young group, and I said, my opinion was that was like the ultimate act of no faith to take your life. Oh, boy, I w- wish I could take that back. I just don't, I don't believe that now. It was, it was, that was a dumb opinion. I once, there was good, uh, Brandon, who we talked about earlier, there was one time where, and I think at one point Brandon would have said that it was ultimate sin too. So, but there was one time, uh, kids asked him. Uh, I was a leader at this point. I was a, um, I think this was a couple of years ago. I had already stepped down from the junior high youth pastor position. I was helping Brandon uh, with the high school ministry um, before I became a teacher, and. Um, and the kids asked him, they were like, where do we stand on suicide? And it was interesting to see, one, my youth pastor who had grown, and that was always something that I can still say is very uh, commendable about Brandon, is that he has always grown. He, he, he can be opinionated at times, and he can dominate a conversation sometimes, but he can also admit when he's wrong and when he f- was wrong before, and he can grow. Um, and it's an awesome trait to have in somebody who's a leader. And he told the kids, like, he was like, you know, I, at one point I would have said that that was an ultimate sin and it was unforgivable. And I remember when I was in his youth group and that's what he said. <laughs> but he then went on to say, like, you know, it's just like all sin. It's selfish. Yeah. And like, it's, it, it's, and not necessarily that. It is 
for those that are going through, you know, deep psychological troubles and that kind of stuff. And, and they have, they, there's a lot of stuff with mental health and that kind of stuff. But ultimately at the end of the day, it's, it's just like any other one. It's, it's just you. And when you start to realize that a lot of your sins are about yourself and that's where you, Again, what we talked about is what is what is the definition of sin? And it's about missing the mark of what God has set for you. And what God wants us to be is not about ourselves. He wants us to be about other people. And so when we are sinful, we're only thinking about ourselves and what our wants and what our desires are. And we are missing what God wants us to be about, which is about other people, which is about what he's about. And so that's where I think, you know, I think it's really good, um, again, is to think about other people. And that's what's been great about this conversation is that we have been able to discuss the thoughts about other people. You know, when we think about we, we've been able to empathize and sympathize with these people that are the ones, the people that break into your homes and that are whatever. We're like, OK, these are them. And you sit there and you're able to, to sit there and say, man, maybe this guy could be redeemable, right? You're empathizing with this person. It's no longer just about you and your desires and what you want for the world and that kind of stuff when a lot of the stuff that's out there in the world is beyond our control, right? Yeah. We get completely beyond our control. But what do we have control over? It's us and our emotions and how we respond to other people. And what God is constantly asking us to do over and over again is to no longer be selfish and be about other people before we are for ourselves. And that's what I would say. I think with that being said, it's a good time to add what would I think I would do in that situation. I think I'd shoot the guy. There we go. That just needs to be said. I appreciate what you had said before. <clears throat> and it did really make me reflect on it. But I think just with the different things I've done, the different things I've seen, the, the friends I have, the stories that have been exchanged, um, and just the training I've put myself through, I really think <clears throat> that I would probably pull the trigger. And I think I would then start to have to deal with, you know, whatever ramifications come because of that. But... I think, I mean, I think I would rather put that burden on myself and I'm the only one right. that has to bear the scars of it right? versus, you know, somebody in my family, my wife, any of my children or anything like that. I would, uh, I would definitely take on that responsibility and be the one to bear the scars of it. Right. And I don't blame you for that. Like, I don't think that that's anything, again... Here's also something that needs to be said is, again, I'm also somebody who's, I am married, but I don't have children as well. You know, there's, um, and so in Andy's case, if, again, we went with this extreme scenario where, you know, the guy comes in and he rapes his wife, that's going to also cause severe trauma for his children. It's going to cause severe trauma for him. It's going to cause severe trauma for his wife. And, and so those are all things that they are going to have to deal with. Um, and, and so that, that doesn't, and if that's, 
that is 100% something that you should think about, especially when you're, when you're talking about this is like, and I think it's also something super noble to where you're like, I would rather instead of all seven of us have to deal with trauma, please let me take all the trauma on myself. Like, you know, that's, that is something commendable. 100%. And so it's, it's also a little bit of perspective. Cause I mean, when we talk about this situation, I can't help like scenes from the Prince of Tides comes back when I think about that. And if you're not familiar wow, with that story, point. if you're not familiar with that story, part of, I think it's Nick Nolte's character, what he's dealing with is when there was a home invasion, they, I think they lived in the South and when there was a home invasion, some convicts that were escaped came into the house and everybody got raped. Right. Him as a as a young boy, his his sister, his mother, so everybody got raped, and that's that's the thing. You mentioned all of the scarring that would happen because my wife got raped, but in the way I look at it, she wouldn't be the only one. Right. It could be my son. It could be my daughters. It could be, you know, everybody. Um, and I think that's the big thing is I would rather have to deal with all of that then put everybody's faith in fate in the hands of whoever it was that came in. Wow. Now, do I think that despite all of that, that that person has no chance of being redeemed? No. Right. They still had, they still would have a chance, but I'm more comfortable dealing with that myself, having to stand before God and deal with it and just send them to let him deal with them a lot sooner. Exactly. And I, and again, also something that's, a part of human nature is we are we are extremely protective we are like it's it's actually animal like it, it's not even a human nature thing it's it is a, a part of that amygdala as well that reptilian brain stem you know it is this this part of us that protects our own and so if that is a natural response or that is even a response and the reason why we wrestle with it so much is because this is something that is naturally innate in our bodies and so it's nothing to be ashamed of or anything that you should ever feel guilt over is if you are protecting your own right like that is something that you should feel i remember when i was a little kid this is not nowhere near equates to it but you know somebody's picking on your friend you go over and you sock the other kid in the mouth you're like hey listen you can't pick on my friends and then you in my case, you get beat up. <laughs> <laughs> we need a bigger try. Yeah, I was like, sorry, I, I did my best. <laughs> yeah, if you thought I was 140 pounds now, I was like, ten, I was like 10 pounds into the eighth grade. The guy was like, the guy, I punched the dude in the mouth and he was like, did you guys feel that breeze? Just came through. Yeah, so, you know, but, it, it, but seriously, there is... There is, it is commendable. And I don't think that, if for anybody that struggles with whether or not this is something that you go to heaven or hell over, I don't. I, I, I think that's probably, that's that's the thing to wrap up on. The pod, this podcast has been trying to, I mean, we've, we've been, I think we've been judgmental about the super judgmentalism in the church, but other than that, we're trying to bring different, bring up the fact that there are a lot of different views. There have been a lot of different views in the church over the two centuries. And even today, there's there can be different viewpoints and 
ways of thinking about things uh, as we're struggling with modern life or just life in general. Um, and I would just, you know, one, if you have, uh, be open to those arguments, to those debates. Um, and two, if you find yourself really set in your ways, um, maybe spend some time and really think about why you're so set in those ways. And, you know, maybe you're still going to think that way, but let's not reflexively think, uh, you know, I can, I can shoot somebody because I got a gun and I have a right to use it and all that. I, I think as Christians, we should be a little more thoughtful about the use of that weapon or any kind of violence. Right. Just because we live in a country where we do have the rights that I do believe are God-given to self-defense, it's good to have a good debate about it. And if you can have a debate with somebody who's a little more... Uh, Abrasive? No, a little more reluct place. reluctant to oh, do that. Okay. It's not because they're a wuss or 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 anything. It's because you know, I, I think maybe again, I think the Holy Spirit might work on people differently. And Colton, you're feeling the way you're feeling now, and other people don't. So that's okay. Well, I'm sure we'll get comments about it. Oh, I hope we do. <laughs> so, well, Andy, thank you for joining us. My pleasure. I gentlemen. hope it was. Uh, I think I hope it was all right. Absolutely. It was a good conversation. I'm glad we kind of got to bring it full circle and all the parties that were involved in that original discussion got to be here and kind of talk it out because I don't know if Colton really ever got to hear how the conversation that we had kind of affected me later. I told you about yeah. it, but I'm, I'm glad he got to kind of hear that it did make me think about. Um, I appreciate you, know, you for yeah. reflecting on that. Absolutely. <laughs> no, I think, I. I mean... Yeah, I think a lot of times it's actually nice because, you know, you have these conversations and you really don't know. You walk away from 99.99% of the time and you don't know whether or not you've actually, I mean, it's like teaching. <laughs> I don't know if 99.99% of that stuck with you, but... Uh... <laughs> well, I think the final <laughs> thing to say, too, is you know, we mentioned it maybe last week we talked about it. I think there's two episodes we've talked about church group, life group, whatever, doesn't have to exist within the six weeks that they're doing it in the spring and the fall at church. And um, if you're somebody who's got a really good life group or whatever you call it, and you guys are getting together all the time and having discussions and all that kind of stuff, that's great. But um, it doesn't have to be there. It can be outside of church. Um, it can be with people who go to different churches. It can include people who don't go to church, but um, lead to these kind of meaningful discussions that I think men in particular should have because men like to talk about nonsense more than anything else. Um, here, here. <laughs> and women don't. I don't know. <laughs> no, but theirs is important. Right? Yeah, oh, there's it's it's a different nonsense. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, and that's, again, that's where this came out was a group of guys who um, not, we're not often, not, I don't want to make it sound like we're usually having deep theological discussions over over not every week <laughs> but they do come up enough uh over a course of a year where it's i think meaningful for the guys who are there and there's at least one guy who isn't a christian and he's told me recently how interesting he thinks some of those discussions are when they come up so um and he's interested in listening to the podcast well i mention his name after um yeah uh <laughs> 
Yeah. Um, all right. So that's it for the Goat Hell Podcast. We thank you for listening. If you like this pl- podcast, please do us a favor. Go to your podcast app of choice and rate and review the Goat Hell Podcast so others can find the show. Questions, comments, constructive, thoughtful criticism are welcome. You only can find to, only us, to Colton's uh, email. You can find us on Twitter at the Go to Hell Pod. Or email the thoughtful discussion at Tim at the go to hell No, 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 Colton. If you have complaints, go to Tim. Or you can email whatever nonsense at Colton <laughs> at go to hell podcast.com. And if you send those to me, you can just go to hell. <laughs> <laughs>